So last week we started with number one. What do you think the number one was, kids? What's the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul, right? So we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Spiritual essential number one is we've got to put God first in our lives. And sometimes to do that, we've got to pull out the spiritual sledgehammer, so to speak, and start smashing all the junk and all the idols we have put in place of God. See, the thing that is most important to us is the thing that's going to capitalize most of our time and our resources and our energy. And that, in essence, is what we are giving worth or value to, which is the root of worship. Worship is to give value to. And so if we have anything that we move God, move Jesus, move the things that he said is essential, we move those out of the way for these other things, those things have now become idols in our lives that we are worshiping instead of God. So you guys remember that one? And if you are wanting to catch up with us, it's online on our podcast, so you can listen to that. I won't re-preach it. So this week, we're going on to number two. We're going to keep it pretty simple. We're following the basics. So what do you think essential number two is? I got a cheat sheet up here, kids. What's essential number two? Love the Lord your... Love your Neighbor. Yes. We... Love your neighbor. There you go. Not love your needs. That's what gets us in trouble. Love your neighbor. Excellent. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And we covered a little bit of this two weeks ago. So one day, an expert in religious law. So there was this guy who thought he knew everything there was about the Bible. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? And then he says, how do you read it? Now he said that because there's a difference. I want us to stop there a little bit. There's a difference between knowing the words in the Bible and memorizing verses. There's a difference between that and knowing what those words actually mean and how to apply them to our lives. There's a difference there. There's a lot of people that say, well, I know every word in the Bible. Good for you. As Jesus would say, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Is it something that's really important? How do you read it? Do you read it as, it's a suggestion? Or do you read it as, yes, this is essential. This is important. So the man answered, verse 27, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Awesome. He did pretty well there. And love your neighbor as yourself. So he was... Uh, there's two books in the Old Testament, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and he's quoting uh, those parts from those books. And Jesus answers, right. And Jesus says, do this and you will live. Now we know that it's through Christ that we have eternal life. So this guy was a disciple. He'd been following Jesus for a while, and he, he probably knew the second part, love your neighbor as yourself, because in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, at one point Jesus said, Um, you know, love the Lord. He said, but this next one I give you as well. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. So he's saying everything hinges on this. So this guy, probably been following Jesus, heard Jesus say the second part that was essential to to having a life, spiritual life in God and through Christ. And so he repeats that back, which is exciting. But then this is where Jesus' question, how do you read it, kind of comes out. And the guy tips his hat a little, 
a little bit to his heart. And the man wanted to, so verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So I love that. It's, it's kind of subtle. So he gives the right answer. Well, God, I got to love the Lord your God, and blah, blah, blah. And you got to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, okay, good. And then the guy does what all of us do. Um, but who's my neighbor? And the reason he's doing that, because this guy is just like us. He, he is really good at looking for loopholes. How many of you like loopholes come tax time? All right? Loopholes at tax time are, are wonderful, um, or just, you know, if you have four kids like we do, um, there are some benefits there, thank God. Um, we like looking for loopholes, and he was looking for a way, basically, to justify, because he sounds like he, he gets it. He gets, he knows the words, but has he been reading it as essential, or has he been reading it as just a suggestion? And so he asks, who is my neighbor, because He's wanting to justify, it says, he wanted to justify his actions, meaning he wanted to justify why he obeyed this command with some people and not others. So he had the right words, he had the right, but did he have the right understanding and application? So Jesus, to kind of answer this question, he tells a story. You kids like stories? All right, do you guys know the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan? Right, we'll read it, and then I'll kind of tell it to you here. So Jesus replied with a story. There was a Jewish man who was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. So there's two different cities, and the guy's traveling between them. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him dead for dead beside the road. And that's a bad day. By chance, a priest came along. But he saw the man lying there. He crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. Uh, Also the word there in Greek is denarii, which basically the amount of money this guy gave this guy was two days worth of work, two wages, two days worth of wages. So that's that's a good bit of money, at least for me. Well, that's not a lot of money, but it's a lot of money to me. We should put it that way. There we go. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So just to kind of recap here. So we've got this guy. So we've got this man who's a Jew, and we've got this guy who's a Samaritan. And just to put it in perspective, these two groups of people did not get along, okay? For, For contemporary things, it's a little, it's not quite the same, but let's imagine you've got a Republican and a Democrat, okay? They do not like each other at all. Some of you are like, ugh. Don't worry, we're not getting into politics here. We're a politics free zone. But you've got two different people that do not like each other. 
Let's say maybe you've gotten from Indiana. Um, I grew up in southeast Indiana. We always made fun of people from Kentucky. You can even say there's this guy from Indiana, this guy from Kentucky. They did not like each other. They did not like the way they thought. They did not like the way they interpreted uh, scripture. They didn't like the way that uh, where they worshiped. There are all these things, and they just hated each other. Even if they just saw that other person, they were like, ugh. So you got these two different groups. So the first group, you've got the guy, and he's walking, he's on a business trip or whatever, and he's traveling down the road. And all of a sudden, unfortunate event, life is full of those, happens. He gets robbed, and the guy, it's not enough to just take his money, and maybe he didn't want to give up his, his hard-earned money, so he tried to fight back, and they decided, well, enough's enough, and a group of them just beat him up, leave him lying for dead. Hopefully he dies and can't identify him. So this guy's just laying there. And what's really sad in this story is that the two people that walk away from him, in fact, they see him and they cross to the other side. Now, not to make us feel guilty, how many of you have ever done that? You're walking along in a city somewhere and you see that real smelly person that's, that's drunk or, or is laying there homeless and, and you know they're going to ask you for money. And so you just cross to the other side of the street. Am I the only person who's done that in my life? Maybe. Okay, I'm a horrible person. Okay, I've done that before. And I felt bad about it later. Now, obviously, if you're alone, the Holy Spirit will tell you sometimes, maybe someone's a bandit, you've got to cross the road. But that's not what's happening here. Here, there was someone in need. There was someone who was really hurt. And at first, this priest, the guy who's supposed to represent God's people, he's supposed to represent God to the people and represent the people to God, this guy walks the other side of the road because, ugh. And here's the crazy thing. They're in the same category. They're in the same political party. They go to the same church, basically. And they were busy. They didn't want to be bothered. So they crossed to the other side and move on. And then you have, uh, it says a Levite or the temple worker, and, and the priests were often Levites too. But these were the people whose sole job, this would monetize, would say, it'd be like saying, this other guy who was your, your uh, deacon, your elder in your church, he was your full-time churchgoer. He was there to help take care of things, and, and he was the one that greeted you on, on, when it came to temple and welcomed you. This guy who, who should be wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm Jesus' biggest fan. That type of person sees the guy laying there. He goes, ah, I'm busy. Oh, man, look at the time. That's, ooh, <laughs> can't handle blood. Okay, I'm going to cross the road. And he leaves. And then what I love how Jesus has a way of doing this, he really kind of, gets into our heart a little bit. So God makes the hero of the story the despised person. Jesus is telling the story to the audience who is a part of the group that crossed the road and went to the other side. His audience are the group that would have nothing to do with the guy who stopped to help because this guy was a Samaritan. He wasn't like them. They didn't like the way his culture was. They didn't like his music. They didn't like the way he dressed. They didn't like the way he voted, on and on. And so Jesus uses this guy as an example and says, so this guy stops, he sees them, 
and he shows mercy. So coming back to this command, love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you would agree that the command, love your neighbor as yourself, it's, we would say it's just a suggestion? Nobody. Okay, good. All right, we can move forward. All right, how many of you feel it's an essential? It's a command. There we go. Could not even. We used to joke, we call it back row Baptist. You're like, I can't, I'm trying to raise my hands. Love the neighbor as yourself. So the question is, if we know this is essential, and just as the young man who knew the law and was following Jesus, just as we're trying to do, the question is, who is my neighbor? What does that mean for us? The question is, who is my neighbor? And that question is, who do I have to love, meaning show mercy, kindness, and be generous towards? As we look at Jesus' words, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. That's how we're to respond. That's how we're to be like in following Christ. We're supposed to be like the man who showed mercy. So when we look, who is our neighbor? So what are we to do? We are to love. What does it mean to love your neighbor? To love, meaning to show mercy, kindness, be generous towards them. How many of you agree it's a lot easier to, to love someone, to be generous towards someone you feel is deserving? Yeah. Everybody wants to help someone who deserves it. We always want to, to help someone who we feel um, exemplifies our standards and what we value. Right? Because they're one of us. But too often times, we ourselves are asking Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? We're looking for that loophole in our faith. Too often times, we, we are struggling to... The, the world, oftentimes, is not seeing Christ in his church. Or the world is not seeing Christ in the church because we're playing the loophole game. Instead of saying, okay, God, I'm going to love my neighbor, we're, we're playing the game saying, okay, who can I be justified in being spiteful and, and slanderous towards? Who can I call evil and write them off from ever having to worry about going out of my way to love them? I've done that before in my life. I'm like, God, okay, you want me to, to love people? And, and for me, it was a little bit different. It wasn't necessarily the people out in the world. For me, it was the church world. I was like, God, there's so many hypocrites. There's so many people not showing love and compassion, doing what you, you call them to do. And God kind of challenged me. He said, hey, maybe if you showed the same mercy towards church people as you show the outside world, maybe then they would see how to show love and mercy towards the outside world. And so we all have different things and different ways that we struggle with this. And oftentimes, the reality is to love someone as Christ is calling us to love them. The reason why we try to, to minimize the number of people we can call our neighbor is because to love, truly love, to truly show mercy, to truly be generous, to truly um, show kindness, all those things that embody Christ-like love, it is costly. It is inconvenient. And it has no qualifiers. Meaning, Jesus didn't say, here's a list of people 
that you are supposed to be kind to, and here's a list of people, don't worry about them. Those qualifiers aren't there. Jesus said, love your neighbor. So who is, who is my neighbor? Our neighbor is the person we are to show mercy and love towards. It's not just the, our neighbor is the person we are to show mercy and love towards. They are the person put in our life And not just the people put in our lives, but the people that have been put in our way. The people that have been put in our way. See, they they were going about their life. They were going on their way. The religious leaders, they were going on their way. And all of a sudden, there's this guy, a mess. There's this mess in front of them. This mess of a human being. And for all they knew, and I've seen the kind of stories depicting someone probably went like, ugh. Look at that guy. He was probably drunk and got in a fight and fell down. We automatically prejudge and we have all these stories and all these things that we imagine about the person that God puts in front of us, puts in our life. And it could be a coworker, It could be a person at church. It could be just everyday life. But the person who is to be our neighbor, the person that Jesus is saying, stop and love and show me to them is going to oftentimes be the person that God has put in our way. And the people in our way are often, it's inconvenient. It's sometimes costly. And so I just want to challenge us this morning. We're not going to go any, any deeper or any farther here. Are you kids understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Cool. You guys are li- good listeners. You know what neighbor means? Awesome. And so part of us moving forward and things God is calling us to, we first say we have to do number one. Because if we're not loving God, if we're not putting God number one in our life, we're certainly never going to do number two. We're never going to put others, treat others as we would want to be treated. And too often times we sometimes we think, well, we do the yeah, buts, and that's where this guy was going to, and we even see Jesus' own disciples later saying, but how many times must I forgive somebody? Looking for those spiritual loopholes, and I just want to challenge this morning to quit looking for spiritual loopholes. Quit trying to, to look for excuses to not do what Jesus has called us to do. If we're going to see our communities changed, if we're going to see our families changed, if we're going to, the world's truly going to see Jesus in us. We got to start looking at Christ's words as essential. We got to start looking at the word of God as essential. And I just want to challenge us this morning. Sometimes it's so easy and part of it is those, those two that crossed the road, part of the problem was they saw themselves as better than the other guy. They saw themselves as better than the guy who was laying in the road. And what's amazing is the guy who was laying in the road all beat up, the reality is, the context of this story, if he was not laying there beat up down in the road, 
he would have been the one also looking down on the man who helped him. He would have been also the one walking with his spiritual nose up in the air. The world is hurting. It's a mess. And I almost titled this, Love Your Neighbor, Don't Be a Jerk. And the reality is, and that's what the, the, the guy was saying. He's like, well, who is my neighbor? Because you've got your good neighbors and you've got your neighbors that, that aren't so friendly all the time. And it's easy to swap recipes and lend and borrow things from the good neighbor. It's that jerk of a neighbor that's never happy, that yells, get off my lawn. You're like, I'm not in your lawn. Well, that's my lawn. Oh, there's the lawn. Okay. God puts people like that in our path. And it's very easy to want to just set ourselves away from them. And, and I just wanted to challenge this this, uh, this morning too. And too often times, the reason why we struggle with living out this commandment is we think ourselves better than others. We think ourselves more deserving of God's grace and God's mercy than others. And sometimes I've talked with people and say, but there's just so much drama in my life. There's just so many people that are just always causing issues and blah, blah, blah. And so sometimes we just have to stop and evaluate a little bit. If it seems like everyone, and we, we say, God, I can't do what you're calling me to do right now because everyone around me, everyone in my life is just a jerk. Everyone around me, everyone in my life is just got so much drama, I can't love them right now. And I felt like God said, you know, when we're at that point, we need to stop and evaluate something. Maybe we've got a life full of jerks because we're supposed to be the one to love them and show them a better way. Or God's just lumping us with our own kind. If we always have people around, we're always saying, well, there's so much drama and everyone's hating me and blah, 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 blah. And there's always haters in my life. The reason why there's maybe so many haters in our life is because God's calling us to show them love or because he's lumping us with our own kind. Any amens? (laughs) And so we have to start as the body of Christ. Stop judging others. And start loving them and showing them what Christ has done for them. We need to put God, so essential number one, we need to put God first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your body, with all your soul. Number two, we need to take that love that we've put in God and God is just flowing through us. And pour that out to the people that are crippled lying in front of us. And that may be somebody outside the church. That may be somebody inside the church. And imagine if the body of Christ, all of a sudden, every single person had the mentality of that Samaritan. That said, I'm going to go out of my way to love that person and see them healthy and healed. Because he didn't just even pawn this guy off. He dressed his wounds first. The best he could do in their medicine, he poured wine to help disinfect the wounds. He cleaned it out, poured the wine to wash out the dirt and to disinfect it, put oil in there to keep the wound uh, moist so it would heal up better. Took the guy and and said, I'm not only going to see this through, and he he didn't just hand him off, he said, I'm going to come back and check. 
He didn't just do his good deed and move on. He wanted to see that person come to health. 